I, I take a lot of in, intention to explain things biblically to you. There are preachers where we get a word for, um, they spread things. Uh, dysphoria is the right word. Uh, it's a Greek word that means scatter. So James 1 and 1 says, for the 12 tribes have been scattered. It means dysphoria. It means that they're, they're everywhere. So preachers, they scatter the word, but teachers, we, we, we section off things, and we may only plant six seeds, but we're going to make sure those six seeds get in the ground. That's what I do. Uh, I'm not interested in just scattering lingo and verbiage everywhere. Hopefully it makes it. I'd rather just explain things to you. because So preachers proclaim and teachers explain. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the other one. I'm the explainer. So it just takes me a while. I got stuttering problems. So like Mel Tillis, it should just take like three minutes, but it takes me 35 minutes. So, so baptism that we witnessed Sunday morning is, is one of the, the great articles of faith of the church. And I mean that not because it's a means of salvation, because if that was a deal, then God should have sent a water hose and a sprinkler to the cross instead of his son. But it's a sign of salvation. And back then, what you have to understand, you have to put yourself in these people's position back then. They didn't have internet. They didn't have TV preaching. They didn't have none of this stuff. So they had to have outwardly signs, representation of something's changed on the inside. So it's kind of hard for us to get a, a, a good picture of what's going on, even with baptism. So I'm going to explain a couple things this morning to you. This is found in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. So Jesus says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, and baptizing them in the fame of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now, first of all, we're, we're going to talk about, in, in a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about teaching nations and this and that, but we're going to, we're going to be very simple with you this morning. And I said that Wednesday night, and an hour and seven minutes later, I was still teaching biblical principles. So for you that don't come on Wednesdays, it's all right. But we're going to talk about baptizing. This was the Great Commission, what Jesus said. Go and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the word baptize is a word called baptizo. And baptizo, by definition, means to be fully covered or immersed by water, or to be fully covered by water. And I say this to you once again. This was a political word before it was a religious word. This was a, a word that was used in every common house before it became religious. Remember what I told you about Haris or Charis or Grace? It's spelled C-H-R-I-S like Charis, which is the word grace, but it's pronounced Haris, and Haris was a political term way before it became a religious term. And the idea is this, that the superior renders to the inferior. The king had everything, and, he, and the subjects of his city or kingdom depended on him. So when Paul come to light, he said, well, this is the way that it is in the kingdom of heaven, that Jesus and God has everything, and we have nothing, so he gives us grace or whatever that we need, haris. So the grace of God means this, that God that has it all and we don't have anything, we're bankrupt. Blessed are you that are poor in spirit. Blessed are you that are bankrupt. Because good news is God's fixing to give you an inheritance. So this was a, this was a word that was used, baptizo. It means, it means to, even in a pot of vegetable soup, 
Put everything in the fluid and let the fluid cover them. Because what happens is it, 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 it infiltrates the vegetables by the fluid. Now, somebody laughed about this. Has anybody ever had a grandmother that cooked? Now, we're talking about years ago. Was she a pretty good cook? And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you straight up. You know why probably she was a pretty good cook? Because she didn't have Martha Stewart or didn't have any of these TV show people. You know what it was? It's called this, time. Because my grandmother would probably put on a, a, a beans and ham and beans in the morning at 7, and they would cook all day versus coming home at 5 after 5 and opening the microwave and plopping a can of beans and say, here, here's your dinner. It's not the same. You know what happens is she had time. She, my grandmother didn't work, so she had time to cook. And what happens is that whatever she put on the crock pot, or she probably didn't have a crock pot, but whatever it was, it had time to absorb into the other vegetables. Does that make sense to you? So baptismal means to be fully buried by water, fully buried by fluid, and the English word for baptizo is a sunken ship. It's down. It's gone. All the air bubbles are gone. So that's what we talked about water baptism. I'm going to hold you under till the air bubbles quick, and then we're good to go. So the next thing it says about this is, I want you to baptize them, and this is what he said, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what he said. Agreed? So the problem here is this. We have no record in Scripture that he ever does this. Never. Jesus said, I want you to go baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they go, aye, aye, Captain, got it. And it's never recorded ever, especially in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, basically by definition in the lexicon, it means it is the actions of the apostles that are inspired by the Holy Ghost. That's the long term for the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, we have certain things and procedures and water baptism, but but nowhere in Scripture, nowhere, that anybody ever does this. Now, do we do it today? Yes. Do I do it at the lake? Yes. But nowhere in Scripture, and it looks like if Jesus told them to do it, they would do it, but why didn't they do it? If you were ever raised in a United Pentecostal Holiness Church, it's called Jesus' name only. They do not believe or exercise. They, they'll say the word Trinitarian. But what happens is you have to be baptized in Jesus' name only. Now, if you're not aware of this doctrine, because a lot of times I've been naming names and it's okay. I feel good about myself. But what happens is this. They believe, they believe by doctrinal basis that unless you speak in tongues, you're, really, you're not saved. Joe, is that correct? That's correct. So you're going to go... So now then, now then you understand that there's a lot going on in my head that I try to filter out for you, but every once in a while stuff comes out and you go, oh, that's not right. Sure it's right. So what happens is, even in this, that this is, this is the doctrine that they preach, that unless you, the reason why I know this, because Gala's family was in it, and I know a lot of things about doctrine. I'm not here to, to deal with apologetics. I'm just telling you that we're reason why we can't get along because we're not all, all on the same page here. I'm not better than that. I'm just beyond that, okay? 
So what happens is this. They say this. This is the, and you've heard me say this. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 is their, is their platform, and it says this. Peter says this. And Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, for the remission of sins, that you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is their foundation. This is what they stand upon. This, this is it. That you've got to be baptized in Jesus' name. And if you're not baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sin, receiving the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. Once again, just leave that up here. You've heard me say this. Be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of sin. The Greek word for for is E-I-S. Okay? Ice. He's telling you this. Be baptized for the remission of sin. The word ice doesn't, it means because of or result of is not in order to obtain. So here's, here's the analogy. I take an aspirin for a headache. Do I take an aspirin to get a headache or do I take an aspirin to get rid of a headache? I take an aspirin because I already have a headache. I take an aspirin for a headache. You don't take an aspirin to get one. You take an aspirin because you've got one. What Peter's saying, be baptized in the name of Jesus because not that you can get your sins forgiven. Be baptized in Jesus' name because your sins have already been forgiven. So that's what he means by that. And so when you understand that doctrine, so why we got to go back to the first question. Why is it that no one ever baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I know the Catholic Church do, and I know that it was adopted. And, and Drock, we have, some, we have some recordings about the first apostles, but it's not in the Bible. Through, through writings were referred to as a historian called Drock. That the, the disciples practiced it, but we don't have record of it in the Scriptures. And if we don't have record in the Scriptures, then I'm a little leery to repeat it. We're up there with reader dies just now. So the word baptizo, bapto, is the original root word for baptizo. It's called bapto. And bapto is a wonderful definition. Some of you know this. We've talked about this. It means to dip, but it also means to dye fabric. So when you understand this process, I told somebody the other day, when, when you're dealing with church stuff, you get to Ephesians chapter number five and chapter number six, especially, and it says, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesus was a military resort for Nero's army. They had soldiers everywhere. And, and they had so many soldiers, it was common to see soldiers going around. And so that's why he said, put on the whole armor of God. They got it. Because all these military men, they got it. There was the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, helmet of salvation, having your loins girded about with truth. So they're watching military guys go by and by. And so he's using the analogy. But by the time you get to Colossae, Colossae had no soldiers. Colossae was a textile place. It was manufactured of fine wool. It was clothing. So for Paul to go to Colossae and talk about the army of God wouldn't make sense. About like... 
about like a mechanic trying to tell a painter how to paint. So it doesn't make sense. So the Apostle Paul in Colossae says, put on the overcoat of love. Put on the gloves of kindness. Put on the vest of, of forgiving one another. See, whatever city that you're in, he's going to use the analogies that you would understand. So that's what I'm going to try to do with you this morning. For you that don't understand, you ask the question, well, why is it that no one ever baptized the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts or nowhere in the epistles? Because there's probably a good reason. The word bapto means not only to dip, not only to immerse, not only to sink, but there's an amendment to this. It means to dye a fabric. Okay? So some of you that have been here long enough, you, you basically know this procedure. So when you're dealing with baptism, you kind of have to understand that we know for a fact that the word means to immerse. It means to immerse. I'm not really, I don't believe in sprinkling because it's not really biblical. I know some people, it was added about 1,500 years later. And uh, Jamie, I want to need you. No, not either. Not either. Um, the true meaning of baptism, bapto means to, to immerse. So, Jordan, let's go back to the scripture, if you would, please, in Matthew 28. Well, I'll try to get this glove on. So he says, baptize to immerse, dip into the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see the word name? It's a Greek word called anoma. And anoma, by definition, it means to change the identity or the characteristics of something into something else. Now, I would never make this up to you because... Everybody understands about water baptism going down. But anoma is a Greek word means that it begins in one characteristic, but it changes to another. Another, to share another identity. So this is why it is referred to as 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. He says, if any man be in Christ. He doesn't say if, 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 if Jesus is living in any man's heart. He doesn't say that. He said if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. He's telling us that we've got to be in Christ. We've got to be baptized Christ. We've got to be immersed in Christ. It's not enough to have Christ in us. We've got to be in Christ, the fullness of it all. So when it says the word anoma, for all those people that are taking notes. A nomad, by definition, is a, is a word that means to exchange the identity of something, to share the identity of something. So what he's telling us this morning in this scripture, that even though that nowhere in scripture in the book of Acts we're told to baptize the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, we, we baptize in Jesus' name, we've seen him baptized in the name of God, but nowhere in the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And there's a reason for that, because you're missing out on the name. The name is not just a name. The name means we're about to do something that will, will change your characteristic and your identity. My wife's maiden name was Sam, S-A-M. 
The only reason why she married me, she flunked spelling, and she couldn't spell long last name, so she married a ham. That's why she married me. It was just easy for her to get it right. But once we got married, watch this, her identity now become part of my identity. Understand? So when you understand this, and I'm going to do my very best not to ruin anything. If that's possible, that's why I have an apron on. There are three characteristics of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit you need to see. Number one, the characteristic of God in the Bible, He is viewed in the color of gold as king. So this white piece of cloth goes down as a white piece of cloth, but Philip, when it goes down, it comes up in a yellow piece of cloth. The idea of that, first of all, that when you come to this church, the objective here is to baptize you or change your identity into that God is sovereign above all things. And I'm not here called to this church to give you my opinion. I'm here to represent the Word of God. That's what I'm here for. So when you come here, Philip, when you come here as a white piece of cloth and, and you're nice and we're glad you're here, but my objective here is not let you remain that way. My objective here is to baptize you in the unconditional love of God. That you will love God, that God's love will love in you and work in you and then you're going to love your beautiful bride and you're going to love that guy in the red shirt beside you somehow. Good luck on that. Baptizing one another, baptizing us in the name of the Father, it means this. We welcome you to come, but we're not going to let you leave the same way you came. So my first priority is to baptize you in the unconditional love of God, that God loves us and he's for us. He's not mad at us. Now, God is a God of correction and discipline. You can't take any scripture out, but I will tell you, according to his people, and if you are born again of God and you're a child of God, birthed by the Holy Spirit, God's not mad at you any longer. He'll still discipline us. Hebrews chapter 12 said he'll still discipline us, but God's not mad at us. Now, if you're not saved and on your way to heaven, we, we, we have a sermon for Wednesday on that one. But if we're children of God, God is not mad at you. There's no judgment involved. There's correction and discipline, but no judging. But he'll deal with you. And one way or the other, you're going to do his will. There's, whether he walks with you or drags you, but one way or the other. So the second thing that happens is that when you come here, I'm doing my very best, Burl, to, to baptize you into the love of God. You went down one color and you're coming up another. As a matter of fact, somebody looks at Don Dick and says, hey, wait a minute, you didn't always look like that. No, I got baptized in the love of God. Amen. The second thing that happens is baptizing the name of the Son. Sacrificial giving. Sacrificial service. 
serving one another, even at the expense of blood being shed. Jesus' life, unlike the Father, which represents gold and deity, Jesus' life represents his blood that was shed upon the cross for us. And unfortunately, today in today's society, we almost live in a self-serving church, but I'm telling you, there's still a thing called sacrificial service, loving one another, even to expensive, it may put us out. No greater love is any man than the one that lays down his life for his brother. And I will tell you, Jesus set the example of this. And when you come to this church, no matter what, you may come here, but my priority, number one, is to tell you that God is, is sovereign above all things. And number two, I'm going to tell you that the blood of Jesus still knows how to set men free. And not only that, but we've been, we've been called to fulfill this commission. We've been commanded to be baptized in the mindset of God of loving one another. And we've been commanded to be baptized in the mindset of Christ of serving one another. And the third one is pretty, pretty obvious. It's of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has everything to do. It's the color blue, which is heavenly, which is a blue color. And it represents heavenly things. And this word by the Holy Spirit, it means constant communion or companionship. So it is the Greek word, the word for fellowship. He used the word for diocesis. But fellowship, it means this, that we said Wednesday night that sin is not constant in your life if you're born again. Sin is not constant. It comes and goes. But the Holy Spirit is constant. It's constant. And as a young boy that I was raised in church, and, and, and I really feel at the age of 9 or 10, 11 years old, they, really, I made a commitment to God, or he made a commitment to me, really. It was real. I couldn't put my finger on it, but it was real. But I knew somehow I always knew God. But isn't it amazing? We go through the years, and, and we do our very best to get away from God. And I told you, the only reason why I took the Gideon Bible, because it had onion leaf pages in it, and I figured out in high school and college, you could take the pages out, and you could roll joints in them. I know, I was getting the word in me, but that wasn't the way to get it. <laughs> now, you're laughing about it, but I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. Here I was getting Gideon Bibles, and the guy that I live, he said, why in the world do you want Gideon Bibles? I said, man, these onion pages, man, you can smoke a reefer like nobody's business. <laughs> and he said, really? I said, yeah. And I mean, we started going through Matthew and Mark and Luke, and I got somewhere in John, and it hit me out in the middle of my backyard. It hit me. Now, I'm being dead serious with you. This is right before I got married. I made it to about fourth chapter of John. And I was in the backyard lighting them up. At about the age of 19 and something. We had fog hat going on in the house. Slow ride, Yeah. And, and I'm, I, I don't, I'm surprised the neighbors didn't call the cops. They did, but besides that. But now in the middle of a backyard, the Holy Spirit just... Whoosh, crying like a baby. You can never outrun the Spirit of God. Once His hand's on you, you can do your best, but you can never outrun the reach of God. And you can do your very best to prove that he's wrong, but he's right every time. He can save to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
And even when I gave up on God, he never gave up on me. And when I let go of God, guess what? He never let go of me. And I remember just standing in the backyard, right in the middle of a mess, tears running down my face. I knew what it was. I'd go back in the house just wiping tears and blowing snot. And they'd go, what's wrong with you? And I said, oh, don't ask. You know? And I didn't want to say God's dealing with me in the backyard while I'm holding a joint. You know what he was? I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit is constant in your life. Sin is not. You believe that? So what happens is that these three things that, we're, that he's commanded us in this church when you come in here, you're going to come in here looking like an ordinary white piece of cloth, but by the time that we get through with you, I'm going to baptize you in the love of God. Number two, I'm going to baptize you on how to serve one another. And number three, I'm going to baptize you in this thought process that I'm here to be constant and have fellowship as you walk this walk of faith with God. I won't let you go. And whether it be Mark Naro or number 55, them boys are worth saving. And I will tell you about it. It makes a big difference when, some, when you know that somebody cares. Somebody asked me one time. I come from another church. They asked me. They said, what's the difference here? And I said, I can sum it up in two words. I care. Now, I may be a little rough at times, imagine that, but I do care. God is sovereign above all things. There's only one God. Number two, Jesus is Lord of my life, and I'm going to baptize you into that concept. There's only one way, and he's the way. And number three, I'm going to tell you it's not just enough to say that I love God and I love, I love people and stay home. It, it means something when you show up. Turn to somebody and say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I sat by an empty chair. Sorry about that. Maya. So here's the kicker. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the characteristic of the Son, and the characteristic of the Holy Spirit. That's my job here. But there is another one. Psalms 22 says this. Messianic song. But I'm as a worm, and I'm no man, and approach of men and despised of all the people. This is speaking, the Messianic psalm, this is speaking of Jesus. The word worm is tola. And tola was a maggot or a worm, had one purpose and one purpose only. that whenever a tola worm was mashed, it produced a certain color that only kings could wear. Purple. History will tell you that the Tola worm was harvested for king's wardrobes, 
children of the king. And whenever anybody would walk down the street, there was a particular color that was only could be extracted by one way, and it was a total worm. And when they saw this particular color coming, they knew right off. They didn't have to have a crown. They didn't have to have a nameplate. They knew by the color that that, that person wearing that color was royalty. When you combine the love of God and you combine the sacrifice of Jesus and when you combine the unity of the Holy Spirit, it produces something wonderful. It's called the purple of the grace of God in our life. I am a child of God. And there's only one color that can be seen and evident in that is the mixing of God's love, the love of Christ and the love of the Holy Spirit. And it produces the total worm's color. And Psalm 22 says, I am but a worm. And once the worm is smashed, it releases this fluid. And they use it for a particular dye that all men will know that I'm royalty. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could leave this church service this morning and just somehow somebody would say, there's just something different about you in a positive way? And it gives you every opportunity to say this. You know what? It's because the love of God and the love of Christ and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in my life that I can be born again and on my way to heaven. Don't you see this morning? It's more than just a formula of dunking somebody in the water, saying a, a rehearsed chant over them. It's actually being changed in the characteristics of a loving God His loving Son and the loving Holy Spirit that makes us children of God. We are king's kids, what we are. So this morning, we said all that to say this. For you that got baptized this weekend, it's not enough that you just went down the water I'm not satisfied with that. I want to dunk you and become more like the Father. I want to immerse you in the Word of God that you'll become more like the Son. And I want to teach you about the giftings of the Holy Spirit that you'll be more like the Spirit only so that we can become people that can be seen as children of God. So Father, this morning, if there's anything that we can say or do outside of your word, I think it's already been said. For every one of us that we're just going through the motion and we just, we're just going through the, the journal of, of Christianity 101, but we're, we're really missing it. I want to be baptized. I want to be fully immersed. I want to come out different than I went in. 
And I pray for everyone in this place this morning that is hurting and is struggling and contending for the faith. I want to baptize you this morning into this concept that God loves you and he's always loved you. And he's been pursuing you every day of your life. I want to baptize you in that for God so loved you that he gave his son to die upon a cross for you and his blood was not shed in vain. And you'll leave this place serving one another. You'll leave this place of sacrificing your life and your well-being for the benefit of other peoples like Jesus did. And I want to baptize you this morning in the working of the Holy Spirit, that it's constant, it remains, it connects. So Father, you're gonna to have to do what only you can do supernaturally this morning for people that are disconnected by the Holy Spirit. Would you connect us today? We've allowed something to come in and divide and separate, and that's not of you. Because when we can mix the love of God, the service of Christ, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, it makes this wonderful color that we are King's kids. And we are. I pray for every broken heart today. I pray for those that are hurting. I pray for every home that's under attack. I pray for every mind that's under attack. But let them know this morning that the call in the kingdom of God has always been in their heart. <laughs> and for that, we're thankful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me ask you a question. How many here this morning really wants to be more like God? How many really wants to be more like Jesus? And how many really wants to be more like the Holy Spirit of giving and serving and remaining? We all do. So let's do it. Let's go change our world. Can we do that? Stand with me this morning. Give the Lord a praise offering today. Would you please, huh? God is good. Turn about two people and say, listen, I'm glad you're here this morning. It wouldn't be the same without you. Woo. And I know it's legal now, but on that other deal about that Gideon Bible, I encourage you, don't do that, huh? <laughs> Communion servers, please come. If you're visiting this morning, I don't know if you are or not, we celebrate Holy Communion every service, every service. We don't need you to fill out a report card how good or bad you've been this week. He said, if any man taking this unworthily means your own worth, you're heaping damnation unto yourself. We never take Holy Communion according to my own worth. There's only one Don Dixon who's worthy. And his name is Jesus the Christ. So I come in his name this morning.
So I refer to it here every week. I refer to this process of communion as the great exchange. I bring him my sin, he gives me forgiveness. I bring him my hurts and doubts and he gives me my, my grace and freedom that I need. That's what communion is all about. I give him my brokenness, he becomes health and wholeness to my life. So you're missing out what this is all about this morning. And as you take the bread today, baptize it in the cup. The bread represents your brokenness, your broken life, your broken homes, your broken hearts, your broken minds. The bread represents something that's been broken. Jesus became broken for us and you baptize it into this cup and it's gonna come up a different way than when you first put it in. So this morning through Holy Communion, this bread's gonna represent you, but it's gonna go down and come back up with forgiveness and reconciliation through the cup. 2,000 years ago, Jesus sat down with his disciples and he took the bread and the cup and he took the bread and he lifted it up. It was a whole loaf and he broke it in two and he said, for 2,000 years, you have been celebrating the ordinance of the Passover. They would take the bread, the unleavened bread, but he said, now then I am the bread of life that my father sent down from heaven. And if any man eat of this bread, he will never hunger again. And then he took the cup and he said, for 2,000 years, you've been celebrating the, the lamb's blood that was taken and placed upon the doorpost of a cross that when the death angel came by that night in, in Egypt, it would pass over you. But Jesus said in John 2, I am the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my father will take my blood in the shape of a cross that your sins can be forgiven. So Father, we just give you our lives. Bless the bread and bless the cup and help us to be baptized more like you and your son Jesus in the communion of the Holy Spirit that we would be a church that's effective. In Jesus' name, amen.